I'm Laura Gentry Williams, and you're listening to Adopting It Forward. Adopting It Forward allows people to share their adoption stories in order to encourage you wherever you are in your adoption marathon, from bystander to runner in training to participant. Enjoy today's story. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Adopting It Forward. In today's episode, I sit down with my high school bestie, Robin, and her hubby, Doug. Their story is one of years of infertility and then an adoption of two precious babies from Guatemala. Please enjoy my conversation with Doug and Robin. Well, welcome, Doug and Robin. Thank you guys for doing this today. It's our pleasure. It's our pleasure. Here we are. So we haven't seen each other in ages, which is crazy, but um, tell us a little bit about yourselves. We're Doug and Robin Harrison. We live in Rockwall, Texas. We have two amazing 20-year-olds that are not biologically related. They are brother and sister. They're actually one month apart. So uh, we share birthdays December, January, February, March. You know, we're all exactly (laughs) one month apart from each other. Uh, I'm a retired school teacher and now own an interior design business. And I'll let Doug Talk about Doug. We've been married for how long? We'll be 34 years in December. Mm-hmm. But so don't forget the that's fifth, awesome. the fifth anniversary we celebrate, which is the birthday, the family birthday on March 8th, 2001. That's true. We, so we split their birthdays, bringing them home. Yes, we did. So really? we had one, oh. one year birthday. Mm-hmm. She had just barely turned one and he was about four days away. Mm-hmm. So tiny. Wow. Except for his head. <laughs> and what do you do, Doug? I'm a CFO yeah. in senior so, living. Okay. So, great. Well, I appreciate you guys doing this. So a little bit about our history, too, is that Robin, we have been friends. Our since, entire lives. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, we grew up together. And I guess what we meet at church, for, I mean, or at school. I don't even know. It all I, I, don't, I don't remember. Together. I don't either. I, was, I don't even I just remember, remember not sitting you. at your table on Sundays after church with pot roast and my dad giving you a hard time being your your face was always in the refrigerator. And yeah, your dad always said, "This kid will eat anything I put in front of her," and he kind of like would try me he on would. stuff. He'd be like, "No, Brussels sprouts." I'm like, sure, yeah, heck yeah, yeah. turnip greens, sure, I'll eat them. He's like, "Oh," uh, he would try to stump me. He would. He would it was stump Laura with food, and it just never happened. <laughs> it was great. Well, well and we grew up in the country, sort right. of. Yeah, I mean, we grew up in the country. But I was country, and I just remember you being my, like, friend who was not going to be in the country for her whole life. I assumed I would be just because, I don't know, Mm -hmm. I was just country and sports, and you were like, no, I'm going to be in a sorority, and my life is going to do. (laughs) I don't know why I was was that way, you know, because I'm, I'm so close and deeply rooted, you know, we... I feel very strongly the school that we grew up with, oh, the people that we went to school with. The best. Um, I didn't even realize it until I we moved, what, five years into our marriage to Delaware. I We didn't deal with the racial things that other communities did. You know, we all got along, and yeah, really it was a utopia, mixed. and we didn't Look. realize it, but I just... 
I knew that I was not going to be on the farm. You know, it was a great place to grow up, but I wasn't a farm girl. Right. (laughs) And you were my friend that was the most put together. I mean, I remember about myself. I really didn't wear makeup. I played (laughs) sports. We did do, I did a, a little stint of drill team, but you were my friend that was like, here is the makeup you will wear to this event. Here is the outfit you will wear. (laughs) And just... Oh, Laura. gosh, I don't remember that. Oh, yeah. You're going to come over and you're like, Laura, I am coming over to wrap your Christmas presents because well, this now, is Well, now, I, I would do that. Because <laughs> she still does that. I still yeah. do that because, you know, if you just like smush it together and tape it, uh-huh, that's that, I, I can't do that. And I do remember that about you. Mm-hmm. And it was oh, like, yeah. no. My dad wrapped everything in the Sunday funny section. I remember so that. So I was like, well. I mean, and we did puppets at VBS oh, yeah. together. Oh, even fun. Sunday morning. Oh, yeah. We would do church. that. That was fun. Your dad, dad would wrote write, a- uh-huh, he'd write a little play mm-hmm. and we would, <laughs> we would act it up with the puppets for the so, little yeah. kids. Yeah, it was fun. I don't, anyway, I don't yeah. remember life without you. I really no, don't. No, seriously. And, and so, you also had a heartthrob older brother that, you know, well, all the girls. And I, I'm I, sure if you tell me that, that's mm-hmm. great. He oh, yeah. Now he was super. Brother. Yeah. Everybody was like, oh, my gosh, the cutest. He was three years older than me. And, you know, so small town. We all, everybody kind of knew each other's business. And all of our parents were involved in raising us. That's one thing I always remember, too. What a blessing right. to grow up in a community like we did where every parent, they just assumed it was their job, too, to straighten us out, which... I needed a lot of straightening out, so I appreciate it. Well, I remember, you know, (laughs) I mean, your mom was the counselor. (laughs) Bless her heart. I know. But Friday and Saturday nights, you know, dad would fire up the grill and, you know, everybody would come there and eat before we scattered to the wind. Mm -hmm. Did all the football games. You know, it's just perfect childhood. Yeah, it was a good, it was a good, good growing up time. It was. And then you guys met, did y'all meet at Baylor? We did. Aww. Several times before we remembered it, but yes. Yes. In fact, we were married, and, and he said, oh, I was at that Zeta pledge dance, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, oh, Missy. Really? And and it, it was, uh, the, the dance was called Later Days, and you were supposed to go as what you were going to be in 10 years. Well, my boyfriend and I went as fat. <laughs> uh, because we were oh, both extremely nice. skinny. And, of course, he was with my pledge pal, and uh, she's a doctor now, and so they went as doctors. Okay. And we even rode together. And, you know, I remember the experience, but I didn't remember him. But we met uh, yeah, in we bowling class. Okay. It was perfect. Second semester seniors about to graduate. You don't have to sweat. Mm-hmm. You don't have to suit up. And you can order pizza in class. And you do know you're talking to a PE teacher. Nice. Right? Yes, I took like every PE teacher at A&M that they yeah. offered pretty exactly. much. Exactly. Yeah, well, so. I, I took the ones that where you didn't require you to sweat. <laughs> right. <laughs> or be outside so. in any way. And, and he got to know me because he thought my roommate was cute. Mm-hmm. She was on lane one. We got paired together on lane uh, six with my roommate. Oh, yes. you remember your lane. That's so mm-hmm. cute. We did. We were, you know, the, the bowling alley and... The sub at Baylor is, uh, it's underground. It's subterranean. Oh, it, yes. it, it's, you know. It's a cavern. It's a cavern. <laughs> but uh, we really started talking on the day the space, um, yeah. the Challenger blew up. Oh. And I was like, hey, this guy's really smart. And, you know, he's cute. And uh, we ordered a pizza. And, you know, he said, well, we'll have to go out. And it was like, well, you better hurry up. <laughs> so uh, we Finals. went out. The Friday of spring finals, our senior year, and married in December. Mm, really? With a little interlude in California. Yes. Remote. So, yeah, he already had mm-hmm. a job in California, but 
Well, I he came back sold to... Coke in Beverly Hills for three months, so... Okay. You work for Coke Foods. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's straight. Yeah. Yes. Coca-Cola. Yes. So, not, mm-hmm. yeah. Don't give the pizza <laughs> vapors. <laughs> That's awesome. My mama will be listening to yeah, this. Yeah, she'll hear this. Did you guys picture yourselves, like, at any point being adoptive parents? I mean, what, no, what got that conversation started? I mean, you started? remember, I'm a list maker, and I color code things. And, you know, my happy place is cleaning out a closet and making it look beautiful. So uh, I had a plan. And the funny thing about the Lord is he didn't always follow my plan. We always knew we we wanted to be parents. Uh, He was the youth director. I'm going to let you talk about that. because About six years. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Down in Waco. Down in Waco. And no, I was a school teacher. And we have a a couple, the Cullens, they, they married six months after we did. And our lives have paralleled, you know, like when... A job transition has happened. You know, Andy and Doug are in the same place, or they moved up to New Jersey, and then Doug got his job in Delaware, and they struggled to have a family and ended up adopting children. And, you know, so it's our lives have ping-ponged back and forth, and they're the type of friends we may not see them for a year, but we'll go up to Oklahoma to their house, and we've bought the same couch. You know, it's just, <laughs> right? it, yeah. it's just as odd... So that's kind of the first inkling I had about adoption when we were struggling to conceive. It was, I remember having the conversation and I said, can you love somebody that doesn't look like us? And he was like, yeah. And I said, I know I can, can you? And I think with his experience being a youth director and, you know, this was a youth director while he was getting his master's degree while we were married and I was teaching it was a part-time job for him while he was going through school. And those kids are friends on Facebook mm-hmm. and we stay connected with so many of them nowadays that, you know, there are kids. Three years afterward, Aww. we're still, still connected. And even though I call them my kids, they're in their forties. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and some of them, and even as kids, they want to be kids by you. Although one of them is about to have a new baby. <laughs> Oh, yeah. oh, that's right. Mm-hmm. One of our one of that's our kids so nice. is about to have a new baby. But mm-hmm. you know, it, it's it was the type of relationship like um, when he and his wife it, when it got serious, it's like I want you to meet her. You know, mm-hmm. is is it okay? And and so I just I love that we have mm-hmm. kids all over the place. Mm-hmm. And so that sometimes you have when you don't have kids of your own, you do have more opportunity to get closer right. to mm-hmm. the kids and everything. So what about you, Doug? What were your thoughts on adoption? What did you picture as far as bonding and that kind of thing? Honestly, I didn't look that far ahead when I had started about when we started down the road. Um, I started off looking at older kids, siblings, basically, you know, just add water, have an instant family. <laughs> and Robin was, no, I want I want babies. I want infants. It's like, okay, mm-hmm. that means I have to change diapers. <laughs> right. Oh, boy. So that, that part of it took some getting used to, but I've always known I was going to have a very dark-haired girl. Really? Yep. Yeah. Uh, it, why did you? I mean... I have no idea why. But back in college, I just knew I was going to have a little dark-haired girl. Just yeah. had no idea that she was going to have beautiful skin and the most beautiful dark black eyes. Aw. So with eyelashes dark, with eyelashes three little, miles long. Little... Yeah, it's Aww. like a ceiling fan. Your hair and she blinks. Aww, so, so gorgeous. But you know, we really seriously started thinking about adoption when we were in Pennsylvania. How long had y'all mm-hmm. been married at this point? 
They were okay. 14 when we got them. It was around 10, 11 years. 10 or 11 years. But when we were in Pennsylvania, we went to some classes with getting children out of CPS. We were commuting. We lived right in the middle of where we worked. I commuted down to Wilmington, Delaware, and he commuted north to Allentown, Pennsylvania. And there was just something gnawing at me. And it was, okay, what happens if kids in school and they get sick? What do we do? We're both bare minimum traffic time, one hour from school. How's this going to work? And I remember praying, and this is one time where we were kind of at odds, but I have this relationship with God where when when my prayer is answered, I know it. You know, I'll stand with my hands on my hips and tell you, no, <laughs> this is the way it's going to be. And I, I got to know. And it wasn't a no, like, no, not ever. It's no, not now. And what I didn't realize then was in, what, about six months, he was going to bring us back to Dallas to be near family. Mm. And that's when everything fell into place. You know, it was, okay, we're back home. His parents were about to retire, and they were in Norway at the time. So they were going to move home. You know, our parents were in Texas. And so we were all of a sudden around where family was. And then it was the, oh, okay, you know, there are children all over the world everywhere that need families But that's what they need. They need families. And yes, it's great to have parents. But if your parents are working and they're working 10 and 12 hour a day, that's not what a child needs, particularly the route we were going. So I'm one of those that God will, when I pray, God tells me no. And about 3% of the time, I'm smart enough to listen. But that was (laughs) one where I I really, it was so strong. I told him, I said, this is not the right time. I can't tell you why other than I prayed about it. And he was frustrated, of course, because he was ready to move right. forward. But we came home and, and started the process all over again. And did you start your process domestically then? Or did y'all move into? We started with, her name was Darlene Stan Kukas, and she was the home study person. Mm-hmm. And we went to her and we said, we want to adopt. And, you know, she said, just tell me about your families. And it was a conversation like this. And we just got to know her, went to her house. She came to our house. What's important to you? Um, and, and she figured out pretty quickly that our faith was very important to us, that family was important to us. And so she said, I think you need to think about this. And, and she's the one that threw Guatemala out to us. And it was like, <laughs> okay, I, I know I've heard of Guatemala. I, mm-hmm. I could probably find it on a map because I know it's below Mexico, but do I know anything about Guatemala? No, I don't. But she said, you value human life and you need to go to a country where the women that are having children that are putting them up for adoption value human life. Think about this. And of course, you know, we were doing um, our adoption here in the United States, but she was very loving, but very honest about Hey, this could take years, and we at especially that time for a baby, ready. right? I mean, well, and mm-hmm. we we were wanting a boy and a girl. We didn't, if it was, you know, a five year old and a two year old. We we didn't have any preconceived notion. The babies are are all about God, you know, because I, I still haven't figured out because we have to go through 
My children are both 20. No, they are not twins. They are not biologically related. A lot of people want to know those questions. Well, and exactly. And they don't look alike. They're completely different human beings. And I haven't really ever figured out why are they one month apart in age, but um, God has a sense of humor and he wanted (laughs) both of us to change Diapers times <laughs> two so. at the same time. <laughs> uh, so anyway, yeah, and so you started. met her. She told you Guatemala, mm-hmm. and then you started that process. Do you remember what month that was ish before that? That's his. <laughs> that was in around December of ninety nine. And then, how long was it before your process yeah. kind of? Uh, she introduced us, or I don't know how you got in touch with the uh, the attorney. Mm-hmm. who was up in New Jersey, who had all of these contacts. How did we get? I have no I, I mean, idea. I don't remember it how just we all comes to, I know. You know, it's a, well, it's a long time ago. It was 20 years right. ago. But mm-hmm. the, when the train started moving, you know, God moves mountains. And I, I was just holding on to the train. <laughs> right. You know, it, it was going down the mm-hmm. tracks and, and there wasn't a whole lot we could. Um, well, what happened is somehow we got introduced to her. And in February... Late February or early March, I get a letter, an envelope, and it's from her, and it's got a picture of Allison in there, just you know, howling at the top of her lungs. Got this black hair Face everywhere. Face purple. Had already had to be about two inches thick. She was only you know two hours old when they took the oh, photo. Okay. So I brought it home, gave it to Robin, and we said, "Yes, we'll commit." And we committed to Allison at that point. Mm-hmm. Then she sent us another one without photo and said, "Well." I have another option for you. We have these three boys, triplets, from American Samoa or something like that. Marshall Islands. Marshall Islands, yeah. So we uh, talked about it and went zero to four, never Mm. been parents. I don't think we (laughs) could. I don't think we'd survive. (laughs) We're good. I don't know that we're that good. I I mean, we don't know how hard one's going to be, so what's the difference between one and two? But we had never contemplated four. So we said, I don't think we're up to doing that. And then within a week, I get another photo of Will, mm-hmm. and the rest is history at that yeah. point. So, so and and they had told us when you you know start the adoption process, it, it's you know you you don't pass up on on children, but we just felt like it was overwhelming for us. But it's neat because my entire life since then, I've always prayed for my boys in the Marshall Islands, and I don't know where they are, <laughs> and I don't know who they're with, but you know, there's a conviction there that. Mm-hmm. Um, there are three little souls that needed someone. And that prayer for them it, is the Lord's using that. So. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So, um, and then we got Will, and Will was a 10-pound baby. And so here was Allison. You know, they send the screaming picture, and then they also send you this cute one. And, I mean, she was a Gerber baby with her little, you know, hand up here, and you could just tell she was going to be a diva. And, you know, <laughs> just, you know, instantly in love. And Will was squishy-faced and... You know, I'm looking at him going, that is the biggest baby I've ever seen <laughs> right. in my entire life. <laughs> and I'm looking at him going, I, I, I'm I, not in love with him the way I, you know, just immediately, oh, Allison. And it was because he was such a big baby. And, you know, I had never been around a newborn 10 pound baby and, you know, their heads are shaped funny and, you know, all, all of these things. So it's a newborn um, baby picture. It, a newborn nice. baby picture. So um, anyway, I, I felt so guilty about this. I told my mother-in-law about it and, and she said, oh, honey, 
you want to see something ugly? Come here. And she showed me a picture of Doug because he was nine pounds, 11 ounces. <laughs> was wow. Eight, yeah, I'm going, eight, yeah, eight, six. Okay. So anyway, she was <laughs> laughing uh, about that. And um, I was telling my mother about this laughing. And she said, you want to see something really ugly? <laughs> And so she showed me a picture of my brother, who was nothing but a watermelon head at that age. And so she, my mother is the one that said, it doesn't matter how ugly they are at birth, they grow up and they're cute. Doug's cute. Your brother turned out cute. And I'm like, you're right. And so I'm here to say that my 10-pound baby boy is so handsome. Of course. He, he is too, Yeah, newborn baby pictures he, are not always the best. He was know? adorable when I got to see him for the first time at eight months. Yes. And I went down to go visit. Mm-hmm. So you went by yourself? Well, I went with my mom. Okay. Yes. And he was eight. She was nine months. Mm-hmm. She was just beginning to tease. Mm-hmm. He didn't have any teeth left, but he was trying to crawl. He could only push himself backwards because <laughs> he could push this way. He couldn't pull. <laughs> but I spent, uh, we, we flew down on a Friday night and stayed through Sunday. It was all arranged and we're in there. We had no idea what was going to happen. We thought, okay, they're going to bring us these two children. And they'll let us visit with them for an hour or so, and then they'll take them back, and then yeah. they'll bring them back in the morning. Uh-uh. They dumped they them and said, we'll see you, you Sunday. <laughs> yes. We had no clothes, no, <laughs> no food, clothes, no, no diapers, no nothing. nothing. So I had a pro with me, thank goodness, and my mom, but I learned I had changed one diaper in my entire life at that point. Jacob, here's my one call out to you, bud. I made up for it that weekend. First time we'd ever bathed the baby, I'd ever <laughs> fed a baby, I'd ever changed a baby, held a baby. <laughs> Well, I held my niece and my nephew a little bit. But. So had you signed any papers at this point or you were just meeting them or? We had signed a lot of papers, but not enough, mm-hmm. evidently. Yeah. So we, we weren't declared parents at that time. Okay. And I was trying to use all of my days. You know, as a teacher, you have a finite amount of days. I wanted to spend that time bonding with them. And I told him, I said, I can't go down there for a weekend and hold him and then hand him off to somebody. I, that would be way too tough for me. And when he got home, he hugged me. and it, it, He didn't understand it at the time um, because we do process things. Like I had to have the rooms perfect and their little clothes and shoes set out. And, you know, the, the rooms were ready for them whenever that happened. And he was like, this stuff's not going to be real to me until they're here. And he came home and hugged me and said, I get it. I, I, I understand a little bit more, you know, how you feel because, uh, you know, we have video of all of this. They, they took video and as they were leaving, you know, the Allison and Will were holding their hands out and, you know, wanting to, to stay with them. And, you know, that it, it was tough to watch and I can't even imagine what it was for them. You know. So how long was it then before you went back? And that was November and we went back. You went back in February. As soon as we were declared parents Mm -hmm. by the Guatemalan government, you know, mother, you can hear mother in my ear. You have got to bond with those babies. It's not fair to them to bring them home. And and we really noticed that with the the young children in the Mm -hmm. embassy. They were either despondent, you know, and just crying uncontrollably, or they had, you know, no idea of what was about to have their world being changed. And so uh, his mom and I were there for a week, and then a week into, his dad came over for Mm -hmm. a week. And, um, well, and the reason why at Mm -hmm. this point, he had to change jobs. Mm. Well, I was working at the Associates, and they got bought by Citigroup, so Mm -hmm. my job was going to end. I had a new job starting March 1st, 
Well, his, all of this was happening at, the, at this time. So we had to move pretty quickly. So she goes down to push the last of the paperwork through. Fired the local attorney, by the way. Yes, I did. Um, when she got down there and pushed on the last <laughs> of the happens. paperwork. Mm-hmm. And then with uh, dad going down and then I started my job on whatever that was, March 1st. And that literally that next weekend, I had to fly down, miss a couple of days of work and then bring the babies back home. I was there for, how long was I there? Maybe three, four days? Yeah, it was most. three, four it days. It was a pretty quick turnaround. As soon as I got home, I had to turn around and go back to work because I had not been there a week before I had and, to leave. And he had to change jobs. He did have a job with the associates, but he was going to, it, it was moving to, to New York. Mm. And so we had to call the attorney and say, is it better for him to have a job and us move to the, uh, another state? And she was like, no, the laws are different state by state. You will start completely over, find a job in Texas. And so he, that's, that's wow. why we had to do the job change just to keep the adoption going. Yeah. And so, um, mm. yeah, that was very so they were how, Oh, yeah. So they were how old, like, when you actually brought them home? She was, let's see, a little over a year, and he was four days shy of his shy first of birthday. Mm-hmm. So. Wow. So their birthdays are? February 10th and March 12th. March 12th. So they're a month apart. We are a month apart. I'm December 18th. He's January 18th. And, and so we just. When you brought them home, I feel like, well, number one, you were. Now you had basically twins. I mean, mm-hmm. for, um, for all they did the twin talk and everything. Well, we knew that they were brother and sister, whether they're biological or not, because right. we hadn't had them a month. And they would be playing upstairs. That was their domain. They had the entire upstairs. <laughs> he was over playing with something. She gets up. She had just barely learned to walk, kind of waddles over there <laughs> doing the orangutan walk. And bop. Hits him in the back of the head and walks back across. You know, and I'm sure you guys get that a lot. Like as far as were they biological brother and sister mm-hmm. and things like that. But oh, I've been amazed at we've got a lot of different friends that have adopted and some of the kids are biological and some are not. And it feels like it's an important question sometimes for mm-hmm. other people. Mm-hmm. But right. to me, my biological children are just as much sisters to James and Betty mm-hmm. as my girls are to each other because right. it's hard to explain what happens to kids. You're you're in the same family, you're in the same household. Mm-hmm. And well, and I've said too, like I brought my girls home from the hospital and I had birthed them, but I didn't know them when I brought them home. Right. You get to know your kids. Sure, you are excited because maybe you can see some similar mm-hmm you know, facial features or something, but you get to know them and you grow to love them. And how have you seen your kids' actions become so much like yours because they're raised with you? Right. Well, my niece asked a very pointed question. She was 12 at the time when we bought this. She said, how can we make them know that we love them as a family? And I said, well, Kate, Uncle Doug and I are not biologically related. In fact, your mom and dad are not biologically related. And what makes a family is commitment. And, you know, so when you get married, there there are three entities there. It's not just a wife and a husband. You have to have God there. And that's what that sets a household in motion and a family in motion. And I said, after that, whoever comes, I said, love's multiplied. It's never divided. And if it is, then it's not really love. 
So they will know by the time you spend with them and how you take care of them. And they will grow to love you and return that. And I said, that's the commitment you make to them that they will make to you. And that's what makes a family. And she was like, mm, no, it's, oh, it's really good. okay. You know, and I, I've just always felt that way. You know, it's, you know, be, being a teacher, you, you understand that, you know, you can love anybody. That it, Biology is just biology. And to me, that's kind of a, a class in science you take your freshman year. It's uh, it's important to some people. It's not ever really been important to us. So how would you say that your, I don't know, like view of adoption has changed through the years? Have you seen, like with your friends and maybe the way you explain adoption to your friends and acquaintances and things like that? Well, I've advocated when we were at First Baptist Keller, we just ended up in a Sunday school class and we all uh, began to adopt, um, you know, but it, we were all from very different places. Uh, the Grogans adopted three older children from Russia and the Johnsons, it, was it Ukraine? Is mm-hmm. that okay? And then, you know, we adopted from Guatemala and we just happened to be in the same classroom. So, you know, God has really just put people together and you know, because we were in a Sunday school class before that ball even began rolling. Some people might say, well, why didn't you just adopt someone here that looked like you? And Mm -hmm. why didn't, you know, weren't there enough here and different things like that? How have you brought their culture in? How have you, you know, how do you navigate that? Well, um, a lot of it is we, you know, depended on mom to, to help us. When we started out, you know, we could tell that Will and Allison were completely different individuals. And as time progressed, we realized Will was struggling with some learning differences. And so some of what we had to do, actually, it was based on the needs of the child. But culturally, we we have lots of friends that are Hispanic. One of my best friends uh, teaching is uh, Hispanic. They have been so gracious to allow us to go over and make uh, tamales with them. And we make empanadas. Um, There's Guatemalan bakery in town. And when Allison turned 16, that's where we got her birthday cake. And she has a Guatemalan flag in her room and uh, celebrates Guatemalan Independence Day. Will could care less. And we've kind of let them be their own person. Allison needs to identify as Hispanic. Even as a little girl, she's like, why am I the brown one in a sea of white people? Whereas (laughs) You know, Will is Spanish, and so he looks like a Wilson male. You know, he he has the same skin tone. In fact, Daddy was carrying him when he was little, and I'm like, the back of their heads are shaped the same way. I mean, it was (laughs) uncanny how much he looked and reminded us of my father. So we've just kind of let those things go. The one thing that we've realized on the other side of all of this, it would have been important for us to, as a family, learn Spanish for Allison. But because of Will's learning differences being language-based, we had to select the language he was going to be educated in. And that's to Allison's detriment, because when she turned 10 or 11, you know, that's when 
Hispanics would come up and speak Spanish to her, and and she can she can speak Spanish, but it's certainly not fluent. And a lot of times they'd go oh, and just kind of roll their eyes and walk off, like, well, you know, you don't know how to talk, and and that was really tough because she matured early, and as a twelve year old, she looked like she was sixteen, and so here was this very young child processing what is a 16 year old she probably would have been able to handle. Do they have like, you know, when you think of, okay, they're adopted and you said that will kind of could favor you guys. Mm -hmm. How have you handled explaining to them as they're growing up? Has it always been an adoption? They've never not known they were adopted. Um, That was Mr. Rogers has a book. On adopt, it says, "Let's talk adoption." From Mr. Roberts, anyone that's adopting, especially a young child, I cannot say enough. And I mean, we probably had twenty or thirty books. Every book on adoption that you could you could find, we had it. But the one by Mr. Rogers, the words are so precise at the level of. I'll have to put that link in. It's amazing, Mm -hmm. and you know, and he even addresses, you know, that that sometimes mommies and daddies can't take care of someone and it has nothing to do with you. Yes. And and it's just a gentle healing language that helps them understand. And so they knew it, but we went, I don't know that Doug did. During the day, I went to some adoption groups, but they made it all about the adoption. And I was dealing with two children that were completely different. And I could even see at, two years of age, they were going in different directions. And I understood that because my brother and I are are different that way. And my mother always separated us and made sure that we had our own voices. And I was very clear about that. I wasn't going to lump them together as twins. Uh, they never dressed alike unless it was a Christmas <laughs> picture or something. We, yeah. Not he, even then, <laughs> no. Well, I mean, we would all like be in red, but there were never little matching outfits. Allison, one day pulling up, it was second grade. She started crying in the car as I'm pulling to school. And she said, why, Mommy, am I brown? There's nobody else in the family that's brown. And I, I dumped that in on Sherry Smith, her second grade teacher, who does all our senior pictures for our kids. I mean, we're still friends to this day one of the most amazing educators on the planet. And she said, don't worry about it, Mama. And she gave me a big hug. She said, I will love her today, and that's all you need to worry about. And when Allison got in the car that day, I don't know what magic Mrs. Smith (laughs) had worked on her. Yes, we have really been blessed. When they were in elementary school, those formative years, the teachers we had were outstanding, and there was never there was never a time they came home and felt like they were different. Different. Well, and one of the hardest things I think is, and a lot of people say, our kids are obviously adopted. There's no mm-hmm. question, right? Sometimes, and like you say, one of your children does look more obviously adopted. Mm-hmm. But I mean, whether they look it or not, a lot of people feel like, well, if you get them as a baby, you're not going to have those same mm-hmm. issues, but these are great things that you're talking about. And I feel like it is important. I mean, what kind of advice, if you could just separate something out to say, like Doug, what will you say? Like as a daddy Mm -hmm. to these kids, this is something I feel like 
was good for my kids, I would say I would do again. And maybe, you know, if you have anything that you would. I don't know if it was so much things that I said, but just the way we treated them and the way the rest of the family treated them. They have never, ever been made by our immediate family and even the extended family to feel like, oh, you're adopted, you're a lesser. The whole family rallied around and said, this is the right thing. And they are part of our family, starting with their cousins, Mm -hmm. Kate and Jake. They were wonderful. Our niece and nephew. And it just from there, the whole family was very welcoming. They were all there. My aunts and uncles were there. My Mm -hmm. sister, uh, we were there. They were all there waiting for us to get off the plane. There's nothing better. Those memories Mm -hmm. cement things to me. Mm -hmm. It still cements because you see that Mm -hmm. in a visual way. And I don't think people get how important that is. Our collateral (laughs) around Mm -hmm. us Mm -hmm. is is vital because... And to see a visual of that, like you did when you got off the plane, mm-hmm. was great. But then we need it over and over. Well, well and, and you, Allison likes to watch those over and over. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. We have um, on the airplane, you know, we had a, it was a, as stressful as it is to pack up, you know, four adults and two infants and get on a plane. And we had to board a plane. And then our port of entry was Houston. And they handed us, you know, everything's different now. They handed us a sealed envelope. And I will never forget (laughs) what that woman told me at the embassy. She said, if these are tampered with or opened, they will rip your children out of your hands and put them on the next flight back to Guatemala. You're already terrified. Thanks a lot. (laughs) Exactly. And so, you know, this is all pre 9-11, which we have the problem of getting driver's license and passports and things because it's completely different. We had our authentic documents that we gave to the government. Now you keep them and you give an authenticated copy. They want our authenticated copy and it's like, guys, you have it. You know, (laughs) 9-11 changed everything, but when we finally handed over our paperwork, we looked at each other and we kind of did a little happy dance. And we had like 30 seconds to make our connecting flight. And we got on our connecting flight to come back to Dallas. And I just stood up and I said, okay, y'all, I'm a new mom. And I, I have waited 14 years to be a new mom. And about 30 seconds ago, some stranger took a envelope of paper that made it official that I'm a mom. (laughs) And I'm going to introduce you for the moment to the most precious children on the planet. And it was cute because Will, he did like um, puckered up in in would kiss and Allison blue kisses. And I said, this is my new son, Will. This is my new daughter, Allison. And I, on the count of three, I need an ooh and an off for everybody. Okay, you ready? One, two, three. Got oohs and ahs. And it was real cute. And the kids had slept on the flight before, so they were adorable and happy and, and everything. <laughs> well, when we got off the plane, we were the last ones because we were changing them into their wow outfits and um, there was a victory line, you know, that of of people that were on the plane that, you know, didn't have to make so another connecting on top of family being there. <laughs> so it was that was my moment. I didn't get to hold them at birth or watch them crawl or, you know, all of those first. But that was that was my moment that strangers gave me and, and family. So. 
And people anyway. have no idea what that meant. We're all no, crying. We're all crying. Yes. But, but <laughs> if anyone's listening out there and you have not adopted, but you have family, are you? and I know a lot of my family has listened to this podcast, bless you. And you guys have meant so much. And yeah. because I remember getting off the plane myself mm-hmm. and just how many yeah. people are there and what it means and and what it's meant through the seven years since we've had them home. Yeah. And I know. And Aunt Clyda made pillows for the dorm room <laughs> that matched the outfit. You know, it's just, I, I love the fact that that's the kind of family we had. And before we started this, we said, hey, are you okay? And and are you okay with if we do adopt from another country or another race? And because we need to know now. And it was overwhelming. Go for it. And that's, that's when you know, and you know, we've always said we're lucky. If, if Doug and I ever divorce, I get his parents in the, in the (laughs) divorce settlement. Um, You know, we lived as next door neighbors for six years, seven, eight, eight. Okay. For eight years. So my parents love his parents and, you know, it's just this, this network that makes it work. And there's never a time where our kids don't understand they have family that loves them. And that sometimes means going, you're out of line, Mm -hmm. straighten up. You know, it's (laughs) not, it's never been a, Mm. you know, we love you so much. We're going to let you be rotten. Right. Yeah. Well, I might do that to my grandkids. Sorry. Well, the Um, grandkids are fun, but you know, (laughs) right. Can you think of a time where you, so those were some of the things that you definitely clung to. Mm-hmm. Have you had some darkness in your journey or with your kids and with yourselves with just trying to navigate what you're in? I think the darkness for Will was knowing as a teacher, you know, he was coming from a print rich environment like it is one month or one year wellness. He was meeting all of his marks and I could see something was not right, but I didn't know what it was. And, you know, the first diagnosis we got was autism. And that's a big, scary word. And, you know, it was, how how am I going to do this? You know, you, you see a mountain in front of you and you don't have any gear on how to climb it. And so that was scary with, with Will. You know, what can I do to make learning doable for for you. Um, And with Allison, uh, the teenage years, it was dark. You know, the Hispanic, she wasn't Hispanic enough. And that was really tough. The the name calling and, you know, kids just not really thinking, you know, you're talking about a human, you're talking about someone with a soul and uh, feelings, but asking how much do you cost and, you know, things like that. It didn't come from adults. It came from peers. And, and that was that was tough. You know, watching your child just be demolished, this, you know, smart girl ready to set the world on fire, just become a shell because of yeah. what people were saying. That, that was really hard. And, you know, I know that God puts us on a journey and, and gives us a story for his glory. But those have been the two hard moments for me. Some of that was out of ignorance. But some of it was also pretty malicious. Yeah. Uh, the ignorance is curable, the malicious part of it. 
Mm-hmm. Not so much so. Right. Oh, yeah. Sometimes you and really have to get And we didn't know about it until back. the damage had been done. You right. Know, right. And a lot of times they kids don't even know how to voice what's going on with them. Mm-hmm. Um, they are like, well, I can handle it. I mean, I remember things that happened mm-hmm. to me that I didn't tell my parents either. Right. Oh, yeah. And it's funny because, you know, we took them to the Girls of Grace concert with some kids from our church. And, you know, I told Allison on one of those days where, you know, we're in – we're in love, still in love with each other, but not in like at the moment. And I said, you better be careful because I am a praying mama. And I will tell you that on more than one occasion, I have prayed that whatever you do to me, your daughters will do to you. (laughs) So you better slow your roll. (laughs) And uh, we kind of laugh at that now. And she's like, I wonder how many girls I'm going to have. And I said, I don't know, but... (laughs) You'll be paying for your reason. You'll be paying for it. But. Oh, I know. So the show is called Adopting It Forward. How have you guys seen God's hand in your adoption story with your relationship with the Lord as well? It definitely makes you want to pray more. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> no question about it because you need help. They don't come with manuals. No. Uh, no matter how many books you read, it does not prepare you for some of the things. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then that's not all bad either because some of the things are incredibly awesome and you you just can't expect And you them. wouldn't have experienced would not, it otherwise. Exactly. Well, if you think of for you guys, um, you got to have 14 years with just the two of you. And I'm mm-hmm. sure you, I mean, y'all lived a lot of places. You did a lot of cool things right. in that time, I'm sure. It might have been a little tempting to say, well, let's just stay this way because it might be less trouble. But never. No, it, that was never, never really. us. No. It was not... No, because we're kid people. Mm. And and so, you know, a, a life without kids is not, is not really a life for us. You know, we enjoy that. And, you know, even the pandemic, you know, the and of course, I you know, I have these funny little prayers. It's like, Lord Jesus, help me not kill these people <laughs> right. that I'm about to be, you know, <laughs> confined in these four walls. And <laughs> And we loved it. We played games every night after. That was going to be one of my next questions because mm-hmm. I feel like the pandemic has changed us a lot. Absolutely. I mean, as a country, yep. as a for good and bad mm-hmm. in both ways. I can see both ways, but just a change of relationships, a change of pace for sure. Mm-hmm. Well, it was good. Allison came home March. Yeah, they dismissed she's all in the university. students. She's in the university. Now. Yes. Yeah, she's a junior this year at Washtenaw. But she came home, and that kind of threw everything in an uproar for a little while until we found the new norm again. Yeah, it was um, two weeks before her spring break, and she was like, but I want to go to Corpus Christi with my yeah. roommate and do this and do that. And it, you we know, thought it was going to happen that way. We just come home for a couple weeks. And then, mm-hmm. yep. But um, I, it was later. one trip to Costco with her seeing empty shelves and, you know, people lined up outside for her to go, okay, this is bigger than a trip to the beach. And um, that kind of, you know, put everything in perspective. Well, it helped point. her. Yeah, it helped put her in perspective, but it also helped her realign her priorities. Yes. So she had the best grade she's ever had that semester. And she worked 30 hours a week. Plus while she was working, exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, and she... Uh, continued to work all through the summer. She would uh, have her day. I'd come home from work and we would play. We'd play a game after dinner. Okay, mm-hmm. are we playing Yahtzee tonight? Or are we playing mm-hmm. I mean, and how long it had been mm-hmm. since y'all pulled out the games? 
Had oh, y'all years. always done that? Yeah. No, I mean, when, we, when, when the kids were little, the kids too, were kids. but we really, every night, we did the same mm. thing after dinner. What are we playing? And it was one game of Yahtzee and then whatever else, whatever else that you know, we wanted to play. to play. But we would do those things in Africa. And, and when we originally started going to Africa to work with Zambian orphans, they, the kids, we thought, oh, this will be good. They'll have to unplug. They never missed it. Never missed TV. Never missed video games. Didn't miss their phone. In fact, we really liked our kids better in Zambia. Yeah. (laughs) Quite frankly. (laughs) How many times, how many trips have you made with them? They went three times, right? You and the kids went over three times. 13, 14, and 15. Mm -hmm. And over there, Will um, would love to serve. Mm -hmm. You know, he wasn't, he he would play with the kids. In fact, the last year he had the boys grouped to himself and he would lead them. But in the evenings, instead of being one of the kids that stands up and speaks about their experience, he would be in there helping the college kids, the interns or whatever you call them, uh, serve cookies <laughs> or bring out drinks afterwards. He just he, he's he a enjoyed server, doing but, that. You know, his, his language barrier, mm-hmm. he's a doer, not a, a talker. Mm-hmm. And, uh, well, you know, I was, I was kind of afraid of the experience because with, with Family Legacy, what you do, they do is they give you 10 children and your job is to get to know their story, and the Lord convicts your heart because you're trying to get them in school or get them what they need. And you come back with this, you know, commitment of, I've got 10 souls that I'm in charge of. And, um, you know, you ask, how has this changed, you know, is it prayer-wise? With my children, it it changed how I prayed. It's not the three point thank you for this now asking for you know mm-hmm. amen you know bless this amen kind of thing. It was the urgency. He found me like sobbing in the shower one day, and I said, "How am I supposed to take care of my kids? My you know Will and Allison, and make sure they're not you know traumatized by the stories that are coming out of these children? And then what do I do with these children? This or that?" And he said. That's not your job. That's the job of the Lord. You need to, you know, let go. And so it's, for me, it's letting go. You know how I am. I'm a list maker. I'm a color coder. I have the one, three, five-year plan. Logistics are already covered. You know, the whole thing is ready to rock and roll in a minute. And to just float with the Lord is uncomfortable even to this day. But um, the very next night, you know, when you're debriefing about the miracles that were happening around you, Greer actually said something. He said, all you have to do is pray and get out of the way of the miracle. And so that has become my mantra is pray and let it go. I've got a friend that's battling uh, acute leukemia right now, and I prayed, and I'm getting out of the way of the miracle. Mm-hmm. I, if I worry about it, I'm just going to get old before my time and... I mean, we've got worries. I, I worry about the my children finding the right mate and, you know, grandkids. They're, they're not even here, you know, but <laughs> it's kind of now more of a, I dream about what, what's going to be, but it, it's really made my prayer life much deeper. It's amazing how do you feel like this journey has really changed you? I mean, parenting changes us because mm-hmm. we have to we're responsible for other humans. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and if we screw up, but, it's, it's on us. <laughs> is there anything you'd like to share about that? I mean, the, I hadn't actually thought about the, you know, when you're dealing with adoption, you're dealing with brokenness. And that's something that, you know, we always deal with the hope, but there's a brokenness there. And, you know, I, 
I know some people don't want their kids to know their birth parents or whatever and fear, but there's a vehicle. There's a, there are women in this world that out of brokenness and love for a child made a sacrifice that I don't know that I would be strong enough to make to allow their children to have a better life. And I will always be grateful for that. And if, you know, I, I think Allison's the one that would want to go and I'm going to be right there with her. And the biggest hug's going to come from me because, you know, her mom gave me something that doctors couldn't give, you know, that was the vehicle of the miracle. And even though there's a broken human, you know, I I hope that someday there's a, a gift of you made the right decision. And, you know, I hope that we were the right decision for those kiddos. But that never, ever escapes me that adoption has nothing to do with the child. It's, it's broken adults. And as an adoptive family, you're putting pieces back together. That's so true. Because I mean, adoption only comes through pain. Exactly. There, there's something that was, like you said, that was broken. Mm-hmm. And whatever that may or may not be, mm-hmm. um, it's, we take that on with them. Exactly. We take it on with our kids and help them navigate it, which is extremely difficult. Mm-hmm. But I wouldn't trade. I wouldn't trade it for anything (laughs) in the world, you know. And and I never went through the pains of of childbirth, but childbirth is over in a few hours. And you know this this is, you know, I I I want my children to be strong and courageous and resilient and resilient. And and I think they're becoming those human beings. I know it's really fun once you see them starting to get past the middle school angst and yes. the, you know and then you start the puberty kind of, fairy it's rough i have to ask you this question because this is just a random question did you have anything else you wanted to share doug before i asked this <laughs> no go ahead okay sorry well, just best friends say, get together uh, mm-hmm. yeah sorry but um is there anything that's that's low key that you make high key anything that's like just a real basic thing to most people that you make high key robin seriously i know you've got some stuff Mine, I use my example, like I have to grind my own coffee. I have to have like coffee beans. I have to have it ex- everything exactly right. And um, y'all probably have a lot of things you don't realize that other people don't make such a big deal about because, you know. Oh, you but- mean like having all of your stuff exactly put away perfectly mm-hmm. in your pantry? And mm-hmm. and when people put it alphabetized, put in empty, Robin, admit it. It is not alphabetized. <laughs> however, don't give her any ideas. <laughs> don't, don't give me any ideas. But. I, I can lose it if someone puts the um, like chip bag back in that's empty. Mm. Well, the cereal box. Seriously, I lose. why does everyone do that? I you open know. up the refrigerator and mm-hmm. there's a completely empty box of something. You're like, really? And and our son is tall, dark, and tidy. Um, and you know, he. I, I our don't. Our daughter do, is not. Our daughter is not. <laughs> and that just you know. Sure. I'll go in there and go, no. I'm sorry, though. Who else has a wrapping closet where it's, you posted it, so I can. I did. I did. Well, and that was the, okay. I have a little tub of wrapping paper that's in the attic right now, and it has, I I lost the cover for it. That's my seasonal closet. I I lost the cover for it, so it has a black trash bag over the top of it. 
No. About 10 rolls in there. Yeah, well, you know, like I said, I own an interior design <laughs> business. <laughs> well, I really appreciate you guys doing this. This has oh, been so thank nice. Pleasure. Thank you so much. So fun to catch up. Wasn't that a sweet story? My tearjerker moment was when they arrived home and there were so many people there to welcome them. Has life been easy for these two? Definitely not, but the way they handled it all together is an inspiration. They're an excellent example of how the hard places in our marriage can draw us closer together. Thank you guys so much for listening and we'll see you next Wednesday with another sweet conversation. Until then, let's all keep adopting it forward. Thank you so much for listening. Can you do me a huge favor? If you're enjoying the adoption stories, please subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts. That way you won't miss an episode which drops every Wednesday. It would also really help if you could leave a positive review. Five stars if you've got them. Do you or someone you know have an adoption story to tell? please reach out to me on Facebook, Instagram, or through our website at lauragentrywilliams.org. You can also find our show notes there. Today's show was edited by Will Rice. The whole thing was put together by my favorite guy, Stan. The website, lauragentrywilliams.org, is managed by Leslie Serrano. Unconditional love and occasional mischief provided by Golden Doodles, Gus and Coach. Thanks again for listening. Let's encourage each other as we are adopting it forward.